This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Thursday, September 16th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Today on the College Football Daily, we are joined by Thomas Goldcamp of Swamp 24-7 to talk about the quarterback situation down in Gainesville. It's a situation, probably not a battle yet, tag team, whatever you want to call it. It's pretty compelling ahead of Alabama's trip to the Swamp this Saturday, Florida being a, a multiple touchdown underdog, 15 points or so. You probably haven't watched live any of Florida's games yet this year. They haven't really played anybody that played South Florida last Saturday. But this this quarterback, Anthony Richardson, is an absolute stud. The backup quarterback who's been playing plenty behind Emory Jones, the starter who waited his turn behind Kyle Trask and even others before Kyle Trask, Felipe Franks. Richardson, a class of 2020 recruit, four-star, but the number 204 player in the country right out of Gainesville Eastside High School has been a, a, a revelation, I would say. He had an 80-yard touchdown run against South Florida on his own read in which he truck sticks somebody through a 75-yard touchdown pass. Every time he comes in, things are happening. And when you compound that with Emory Jones's struggles so far, four interceptions already, two in each game, an average of of 5.4 yards per attempt as well. I don't blame Florida fans for being ready to see a lot more of Anthony Richardson. I'm ready for it myself. I think we're going to see that Saturday against Alabama. I think Dan Mullen is, he's, uh, as well, I'll let Thomas tell you more about it, but he's maybe got something up his sleeve. Anthony Richardson is nursing a hammy injury. He, he pulled up a little bit on that 80 yard touchdown run. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I feel rather confident in the fact that Anthony Richardson is going to be a big time name on the college football level very, very soon. I've been wrong before. I remember being a kid and thinking Tate Forcier at Michigan was going to win multiple Heismans, but this feels, it just feels too funny, right? He wears number 15. It's Tebow's jersey. He's from Gainesville. He's he's just been awesome. So this this podcast is about him and about his, his tag team situation with Emory Jones and how Dan Mullen, way earlier than he expected, has already found himself with a big quarterback decision to have to make. Thomas Goldcamp joins us right now. Thomas, how are we describing the Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson situation? Is it a quarterback battle? Is it a tag team? Is it a 2021 version of Leak and Tebow? I think it's probably a full two quarterback system. And when I say that, I mean, I think Dan Mullen's idea is that he's going to need both of these guys throughout the season, you know, not just for a game or two here or there. I think very much he's in a situation now where because Anthony Richardson has really performed and put on such a show and Emory Jones in certain areas has struggled, I think Dan Mullen's in a spot where he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because you don't want to ruin Emory Jones's confidence. And, and I've almost said it as, you know, Dan Mullen's playing a game of confidence roulette, you know, such that you don't want to ruin Emory's confidence. But at the same time, when you have a guy like Anthony Richardson, who is playing as well as he has, and he's watching some of the obvious mistakes that Emory Jones is making, you also kind of run the risk of ruining his confidence at a certain point. So it'll be interesting to see how Florida handles it. But I do think 
you know, Dan Mullen wants both of these guys available and wants to use both of them throughout the season. Yeah, can't wait to see how he unleashes them in this weekend's huge game home against Alabama. I was watching some highlights of the USF game and Emory Jones, I know, threw two interceptions for the second week in a row. He had some nice plays. Like this is not a this is not a talk bad about Emory Jones podcast, but I, I just gotta say that Anthony Richardson is phenomenal 75 yard touchdown throw 80 yard touchdown run on his own read in which he truck sticks somebody and put you know pulls up at the end with his hammy and i was reading your updates and mullen thinks he's going to be good to go and is practicing every day i i just imagine and <laughs> they even got richardson wearing tebow's 15 i imagine the fan base is there's going to be at least half of them i would guess that's just saying make this guy the full-time starter i, I think it's more than that at this point i think the the kind of the deal breaker, the final straw was last week against USF. You know, Emory Jones has already thrown two interceptions. Anthony Richardson, it seems like every play he gets in there, something big is happening. You know, whether it's an 80-yard touchdown run, the one you talked about, or some of these other plays. Uh, you know, the one that really stood out, I thought, was the one a couple plays before that 80-yard touchdown run where he kind of rolls to his left under pressure, stands in there and takes a hit as he delivers the ball down the field. And it's a perfect, perfect pass to Jacob Copeland down at the seven-yard line. Well, Richardson helmet comes off. And so, you know, for the second straight week in a row, he's had an issue where his helmet pops off as he gets the team into the red zone. Emory Jones comes in. And then on that drive, not only did they not come away with any points, but you have this one particular throw that Emory Jones made into the end zone where there is clearly four USF defenders all underneath, all waiting on the throw. I mean, as obvious a throw into quadruple coverage as you could possibly get. I think that's the point right there when fans were like, okay, this experiment is over. And then, you know, a couple drives later, Richardson comes in and it's a one play 80 yard touchdown run and he pulls up with the hamstring. You know, maybe maybe that hamstring injury gives Dan Mullen a little bit more patience to work with from the fans. But, but I think last week was, you know, pretty close to cementing that, you know, even if Richardson isn't the starter, he needs to be a guy who's getting something like 50% of the reps at quarterback going forward. Yeah, I could see him long-term being a guy who's a Heisman Trophy finalist and and doing huge things on a national level. It's sort of ironic because this was the this was the role that Emory had played the last few years as, as the change of pace quarterback and had some moments. I've, I've kind of been a fan of him and it's just Anthony Richardson seems like a, a different player. Were you sort of surprised, because I was, um, at SEC Media Days, I sort of expected this to at least be a quote-unquote quarterback battle during fall camp, but Dan Mullen came out and was really confident about Emory Jones, said he's the guy, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, from my perspective, I thought we would have gone through the charade at least of having a more of a preseason battle. No, I don't think so. I mean, that was never my impression. I think, you know, Dan Mullen got as close to calling a guy his starting quarterback before the next even season ever began last year. I, I, and I forget if it was after the SEC title game. It might have been or whether it was after the Cotton Bowl, but it, he, he basically said it in no uncertain terms. Emory is our guy for the future. And I think when you look back at Dan Mullen's history developing quarterbacks, that's not terribly uncommon. He tends to lean on the experienced guy until really proven completely beyond a shadow of a doubt otherwise. And I think, you know, when you look at, you know, Emory's time in the system, like you said, this is his fourth year now. Uh, I think Dan just felt very confident about it. Now, has it gone exactly like he would have hoped? I would say probably not. Yeah, no. I was I was reading your article about Florida's obviously been pretty vanilla uh, through two weeks, haven't really played anybody, got Alabama on deck in week three, as they've probably been preparing for all summer. What do you think is the wildest thing that Dan Mullen could cook up with both of these quarterbacks? I mean, it's a good question. You know, I, I don't know. Um, it, it seems like whenever Dan Mullen gets into these big games, and I think about Mississippi State back when they were highly ranked in 2018 and Dan Mullen, that was kind of the first 
I guess you would say national stage. And, and, you know, I'm sure fans listening to your podcast probably don't consider that a national game. But I want to say they were ranked pretty highly. And, you know, Florida went in there and, and managed to pull that upset. And then the following week came back and knocked off a really good LSU team. I don't know what he's going to show. It seems like in a lot of those games, he has some kind of trickeration built in with somebody that can throw the football who's not a quarterback. I don't know if they'll need to do that now that they have two quarterbacks. I do think there will be at least a couple plays where you see Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson on the field at the same time. But I think more than anything, you know, Dan Mullen should be fairly familiar with Alabama and what they want to do defensively after seeing them in the SEC title game last year. And obviously they had some success. Now, you don't have Kyle Trask, you don't have Kyle Pitts, you don't have Kadarius Toney. But I would imagine that there's something that Dan Mullen was able to see schematically that he wants to attack. Now, I don't know that that takes the form of, you know, the kitchen sink when you're talking about throwing out the playbook or it's attacking a specific concept. But I would imagine he has a pretty decent plan drawn up. Yeah, like if you're wanting me to take Florida, I I could actually talk myself into it. But in that reality, it has to be Anthony Richardson being more than a gadget guy and almost need to throw him out there and let him have a Johnny Manziel 2012 kind of game. What else, Thomas? We got a few more minutes. This Florida-Alabama matchup, what are some other keys you're looking at? Alabama is obviously the favorite heavily and and for good reason. I think they're deeper and more talented across the board than Florida. But if there is going to be a difference maker for the Gators and they're going to manage to overcome this two touchdown, you know, betting line that's been put against them, it's got to start up front on the D-line. You know, you've got Zach Carter has been pretty much unblockable through the first two weeks. It can't be just him, though. You know, it's got to be guys like Jeremiah Moon, like Brenton Cox. Florida brought in three graduate transfer defensive tackles, two from Auburn that have seen Alabama quite a bit, feel pretty good about their knowledge of Alabama and ability to play against them. It's got to be the, the, you know, the defensive front. If Florida can get pressure with four somewhat routinely, I think they'll have a chance because the problem is they've got issues in the back end. And if you're not getting pressure regularly against Bryce Young, it's going to be a problem. I mean, Alabama's going to be able to pick on that second cornerback spot opposite Kyer Elam. So Florida's front seven has to be disruptive, and then they have to force turnovers. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that to me. If that doesn't happen, Florida won't win this game. Are we going to talk ourselves into the packed swamp Bryce Young element has never played in the stadium like this in college? You know, I, I don't think so. I was actually surprised a little bit listening to some of Florida's players talk about it because they were asked several times, you know, can you rattle a young quarterback like that? And, you know, veteran players like Zach Carter and Brenton Cox were basically like, yeah, normally you would think that, but that's kind of not the case with this guy. In other words, they're very, very impressed by Bryce Young and what he's done through the first two weeks. You know, so I Florida's players don't necessarily expect that. I mean, I know that obviously you get a lift from being in the swamp. And you'd hope that will be the case. But Bryce Young's been pretty special so far. Absolutely. Thomas, we appreciate you joining us, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Thomas joining us. Follow his work over at Swamp 24-7, which is the Florida Gators website for 24-7 sports. In other news in college football, Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, was asked about the USC interests. And he said, no chance. So we'll just we'll just have to see if uh, I, I understand why people don't want to believe Urban Meyer when it comes to taking new jobs and leaving others. I don't think he's going to work at Jacksonville at all, but I can't see him 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 doing that. But again, I I could I could be surprised. And if you're USC, do you really want him? Like you can you can recruit pretty well with any head coach. I'm not sure if the Urban Meyer system works anymore. It's not 2014. I want somebody who's a you know kind of new age offensive mind. Ohio State took off when Ryan Day got to call the shots offensively. I don't even know if if, if Urban Meyer is a, 
a championship winning head coach at the college level anymore, which is weird to say. He's one of the best ever to do it. Anyway, thanks to Thomas Goldcamp for joining us. Our producer, Lance Glenn, appreciate you putting this together. Lance, my name is Trey Scott. We'll be back on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily, previewing and picking the biggest games of week three. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.